Hey everybody, it's Rudo, and we are here with another episode of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. But first, I gotta tell you about Total Beverage. They are offering 30% off on purchases of $25 to $75 when you use code DNVR2019 online or on the Total Beverage app. If you have a rough throat like I do right now, you can get a little bit of that alcohol to numb the pain a little bit. It worked for me at the DNVR offices for the DSP today. I had a few Breck brews. It helped me out quite a bit. And with Total Beverage, you don't even have to leave your own home because they deliver to most of the metro area. Don't let this offer pass you by. 30% off purchases of $25 to $75. Let's jump into the show. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their Colorado locations or check out online at mygreensolution.com and use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's Evan Rowell. The Avs just dropped another game in New York, this time to the New York Rangers 5-3 to three. We'll dig down deeper into this as we get into the podcast, but I want to start on a high level here, Evan. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put you on the spot. What went wrong in this one? Uh, it seemed like the Avs got comfortable. Is what happened? They got up two nothing against a rookie goalie who uh, I I, I want to say it was like the first two shots that went in too. Uh, the and first then, one for sure. Yeah, yeah, the first one, and then. You know, they got a gift breakaway from McKinnon. And then it seemed like from there, they didn't do a whole lot. Uh, and then, you know, what have we been talking about? We talked about last night, what killed them tonight, special teams. It's the same old story, it seems like. So um, just seemed like they got up and just kind of let off the gas. And the last 52 minutes or so of this game were pretty ugly. The last 52 minutes, that's uh, that's letting off the gas pretty early. Yeah, that's... Uh, I believe that's the majority of the game, if I if I'm good at math. Yeah, that's it's it's tough math, but I'm pretty sure you're correct on that one. Yeah, um, yeah it, it I it just the penalty kill. It's same old story. It seems like if these goals are happening like right off plays, like right off the face off. They're the Avs just give it up right away, and then the power play. We, I mean, I don't even want to talk about what's going on in the power play. It's hideous. We've torn the power play up and down plenty on this podcast, so yeah. I think that's fine to stand where it is. I want to get to one of the major sources of talk after this game. Firstly, because earlier today on the DSP, I said, no, Philip Grubauer is still the starter of this team, and he's going to be going forward. I still believe that, but man, he did not make me look good in this one. No, he's... uh. 
he cannot put two games in a row together at the moment. Uh, I put out his numbers there on Twitter tonight that since October 18th in his last, I think he's like 19 starts, he's only had consecutive starts above 900 save percentage twice. So, or just once actually. So it's uh you get one good game and then you get one bad game and it's, it's not good enough right now. And on that third goal, I get, it seems like it bounced off comfort, but he was just completely guessing on where that puck was going. He, he left half the net open and, I I know the first one was a deflection. I can forgive the second one a little bit more just because it was kind of a broken play. But the first one just, I mean, that's not a hard shot, hard deflection. That's a pass down, though. that's tipped, and it goes right through him. So um, you you have a 2 nothing lead. You need your goalie to sit, make a save there and keep it keep it that way. On, on the first one, on the replay, he has his pads closed, and the second Kreider gets a piece of it, he lifts his pad perfectly for the puck to slip through him. And... Sure, it's a little bit of unfortunate timing, but you got to be able to seal off those holes, man. Yeah, and like I said, it's not like it was a screenshot, deflection, things like that. It's a pass to the side of the net that gets deflected, and it goes right through them. And it's just, it's not good enough. Uh, And like I said, game situation mattered there. They were up 2 nothing. They had all the momentum. Take a penalty, you know, you need to kill off the penalty, and you need your goalie to make a save, and he just did not do that. Well, and it's an accumulation of of the whole of all of these goals, right? You you look at some of the goals and you say, well, you know, he's fully screened, couldn't stop that one, or the guy was wide open on the side of the net, couldn't stop that one. But when you aren't making some of the routine saves you should have made earlier, you have to come up with one of those bigger ones. Yeah, his puck tracking is just like you look back at that Petrangelo goal last week. It was just like he's just guessing on where the puck's going and it beats him and that's what happened again tonight so yep um it's frustrating i you know you look at his numbers and their his save percentage wasn't bad coming into the night but you look at his quality saves or quality start percentage is like 44 percent, and that's going to drop after tonight so there's just no consistency there and you wonder you know you got a five game uh home stretch here coming up I mean, do you run with Frankie here for a little bit, or what do you do here? What would you do? Um, at the same time, the same thing I said when we had this conversation with AJ earlier, I think it was at the start of December about, I said, you give Grubauer still in the starting position, but if he has another bad game in the next week or two, you got to at least be split in time with Frankie there, right? Yeah, I mean, like I said, you you don't know which one you're getting on a nightly basis, and that's frustrating. Uh, You score three goals against a pretty... I mean, the Rangers are just not a good team. You should still be able to beat them, especially with a two-goal lead in the first ten minutes. Um, And obviously, the team did not play great in front of him, so we shouldn't let them off the hook, but, you know... We'll get to them, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. we'll get to them, all right. Um, (laughs) But no, I mean... You guys talked about it a while back. Has he stolen that many games for the Avs this year? I think he's been fine for the most part, but it's just there's nothing. There's maybe been one game. I think it was like the Toronto game. He took him to overtime, but it's just maybe that's the only game he's really stolen, I would say, for the Avs this year. It's it's very middling, right? He hasn't stolen very many. He hasn't lost that many either, but yeah. that's more a product of him getting good run support and the Avs being the highest scoring team in the NHL. Yeah, you can't outscore everything, everyone, every night. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, wow, tonight was such a different game from yesterday. At least we have more to talk about in that right. in that sense. Not just total boredom at the very least. That's a plus you can take out of this game. Yeah, for sure. Let's, as we start to move into the players, I assume that this conversation is going to be extremely short. So let's start with Kale McCarr. Had a couple of tough games. This one particularly, he was very rough in. I'm not worried about it. Uh, is there anything particularly concerning other than, oh, he's a rookie and might actually be human for you? No, and I think Bednar said it a couple times the last since he's come back from injury. He's just fighting the puck a little bit. Um, you almost wonder if that shoulder is still bugging him because um, his puck handling just hasn't been the, sh- the same. So, uh, and I mean, you look at that pairing just in general, if McCarr's not playing out of this world, it's it looks pretty pedestrian because Graves is just not the type of player that's going to hold it up. So um, ultimately, I'm not worried about him. I think he'll be fine. I think it's just... I mean, we've seen it with rookies before. It's it, it it comes and goes, and this is tends to be the time of year that college guys hit that wall. Even though he he missed a couple of weeks with injury, this is kind of that time of year, like we saw with Kerfoot. Um, he generally hits this wall around now, and then after the All Star break, maybe in the middle of February, he turns it around. So, uh, not too worried. I think he'll be just fine. All right, I'm glad we agree on that one. Let's end this first period of the podcast on a positive note here. JT Confer and Andre Burakovsky. Confer two goals, Burakovsky assisted on both of them. Those are two guys that have been running a bit dry lately, Burakovsky more so than Confer. Getting a bit more consistent goal scoring top to bottom in the Avs lineup, I think, is a big plus for them. They don't have to lean on the top line as much. They don't have to lean on that magical combination of Belvert as much if they can get those type of players. <laughs> Belvert, eh. Yeah, the same, and Bam Bam, the same person. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, with Comfort, he's kind of gotten back to the basics. Uh, you look at even the disallowed goal last night, who was right in front of the net? It's JT Comfort. Um, both of his goals tonight, right in front of the net. Uh, I think in the the game he scored, where he scored his first goal in forever a while back, um, I think it was the Dallas game, even the Cole, I think, yeah, it was the Cole that scored the second goal. Um, he was right in front of the net there. So he's kind of getting back to the basics of just, you know, I'm not a skill guy uh, or a high skill guy. I need, just need to kind of keep it simple and go to the net. So that's nice to see. With Burakovsky, it's just um, he's not shooting as much as he was early in the year, so it's nice to see him contribute in other ways he would have had the assist last night if they had counted that goal on two more tonight so he's showing a little bit more playmaking than i i thought he had in him so it's just nice to nice to see him kind of contribute in other ways than scoring pretty goals yeah burkowski 27.25 now 27 with the two assists tonight <clears throat> excuse me on the year that best both of his totals from the last two seasons in washington so that's not bad. Yeah. I mean, he's just shy of 50 point pace, I believe at this point. So that's, that's a lot more than I expected. So that's good. <laughs> that's perfectly fine for a, for a second line type guy or, or really the way Bednar has been using him is almost more middle six. So yeah, he doesn't, he really doesn't play a ton of even strength. So his production has been very good considering how little he plays consistently. 
All right. Well, we will end the first period there, and it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. They're the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. I've told you about any number of their beers by now. I was drinking the Strawberry Sky in the office today, though, because... As I said, that one's an, an easy one to drink when I sound like I do right now. So couldn't recommend them enough. They are just delicious beers. Check them out for yourself. You can find them at your local Davidson's or any liquor store at this point. And keep an eye out for the Breckenridge event calendar. We have all of our events planned on there. The Nuggets are having a watch party tomorrow night. And it is Adam Mares' birthday, so it should be a fun party there highly recommend you check it out and get some breck brew for yourself there second period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by the green solution i'm rudo he is evan and we talked about kale mccarr but it's time to talk about the rest of the defense as well because if your name wasn't sam gerard it was a rough night for you i Definitely, and if you look at my grades, I think I gave three of the defensemen Fs. So it was a rough night overall for them. Um, I think EJ was kind of propped up by Gerard pushing the play a little bit. Uh, but yeah, outside of Gerard, it was a lot of very blah play from those defenders. What? Where do you stand on on some of these plays? How much do you put onto the systems as compared to the players performing them? Something that happened on multiple goals in this game was defensemen stepping up into no man's land, trying to play goaltender and blocking a shot that then left them in a terrible position for the rebound coming out the backside. Yeah, well, I kind of mentioned in the grades that if you look at that second goal, that's a defenseman that comes down the wall um, and EJ attacks him and so does Belmar. So I'm not sure it played a huge role on the goal, but if EJ stays back, that pass into the slot is probably not there. So it, it, it may have prevented the goal ultimately. Um, I think they're definitely playing the system. I mean, this is Pratt has been here for a couple of years. He knows how he wants these guys to play. So I definitely think the system plays into this a little bit. And um, we even saw it on the, uh, the game winning goal. If you watch the face off before the as when the face off ends the door of, if you watch all the players before they come up with the play, what they want to do before the goal, before the face off happens. And Nieto was supposed to go to the wall and tip the puck. And I don't know if he did or if he didn't, cause either way it would have been, you know, went all the way down the ice, but that was the set plays just ringing around the boards and icing Next face off, they lose and it's in the net. So um, I think a lot of it is the system and just this. Def- the defenders just had a rough night in general. It sounds like, especially when you're talking about they have these set plays off of the face offs, and then you get things like EJ and Belmar both going after a guy. Is there a bit of a communication issue out there? I think on the fourth goal, it was you saw Zadorov stick with his man cutting to the net. And then Ian Cole goes to defend the same guy before realizing Zadorov's on him. So then Ian Cole says to step off that guy. He steps into no man's land and leaves the guy wide open in the near circle, and it's in the back of the net. Yeah, if you watch that play, and I, I, I think what happens is Comfer loses the face off, and then he, he follows 
the guy that Cole was with to the point who kind of went to because it's kind of what McKinnon does all the time. He goes to that, he kind of fills up that third spot on the blue line, takes the shot, and then Cole is just kind of left in no man's land. He didn't know who he was going to cover. So, um, yeah, it's definitely the system and it's a lack of communication. I think on the EJ play, he had been out there for a long time. Um, so I think when you're tired, you make you make mistakes, and that's kind of something that happened there. And, and, and you know, we've seen it before. EJ is not, you know, he is prone to chase. It's just something that happens with him. Um, and quite honestly, it happens with a lot of the guys on this team and defensively, and I'm not sure if that, that could just potentially be an IQ issue, uh, that they tend to chase more than rea- uh, just kind of um, let the game come to them. So, uh, and McCarr got caught on the ice way too long on the third goal as well, so... Um, that's just kind of what happens out there. And, uh, I do think there might be some IQ issues on this team defensively, which could be a concern moving forward. So let's dig down into that a little bit deeper. One, got to have shorter shifts that starts by winning puck battles in the defensive zone and getting it out cleanly Two, when it comes to that IQ side of things on multiple of those goals where the abs got caught chasing, you can pause the frame from about any time, 10 seconds before the goal is scored all the way until it's in the back of the net. And there's a really good chance that all five abs on the ice are staring at the puck. Yeah. How do you help solve those issues? Um, I don't know. Because like I said, if it's an IQ issue, then this is, I mean, we've seen it with EJ in the past. We've seen it with Z. These guys, you know, they can get caught watching the puck too much and then they lose their guy. Um, is that really going to change too much with the system or with, you know, with changing, uh, I guess, talking to them, sitting down with them? I'm not sure it will. Um, this just might be the way they are. And, um, you know, we've seen, you know, I think McCarr had a rough night, but I think he's generally pretty smart defensively and understands what to do. So um, I'm not sure just the sitting down with some of these guys and pointing out these mistakes is going to change uh, really a whole lot because, um when they're stuck out on the ice and they have to think too much, that's when they tend to get into get into problems. Do they need a chatterbox? Kind of. I, McCarr talks pretty well on the ice. Byram and Juniors is is very talkative, very chatty. Even if some of that is uh, ribbing the other team at times, but it does seem like EJ pretty darn quiet on the ice. Gerard very quiet on the ice. Even someone like Ian Cole, I don't see talking on the ice that much. Yeah, and I mean, Ian Cole is supposed to be a vocal guy on the ice. I think that they talked about that earlier this year when they tried to put him with Makar, that he's going to talk. Um, but the, I guess the problem with that is he makes his fair share of mistakes too. So um, communication is definitely huge in the defensive zone, especially on a play like um, that game-winning goal when Cole just kind of gets caught in no man's land and is not sure who he's supposed to be covering. You want a little bit more communication there, whether it's from – Z, um, and I'm not sure how much communication he can have when he's covering his own man in front of the net and battling there, but um, just little things like that could go a long way. And, you know, you would hope that a veteran like Cole is not going to make that mistake too much. Yeah, we focused on the defensemen a lot here, but it's always worth pointing out as well that defense is an entire team activity. The forwards have a lot to do with it as well. There's five guys out there on the other team to cover. How can the forwards be more effective in in helping this Avs defense when it comes to things like puck battles, when it comes to 
presenting options to help better possess the puck. Yeah, if you watch that third goal, I think it's a two-on-five when the Rangers enter the zone with Strom and Panarin. Um, And all five of the Avs were just watching as everything just happened around them. Three players were within one foot of each other and one foot of the crease, all just stacked up and not covering anything. Yeah, even in the neutral zone, all three of the forwards got bunched up at one point. So um, it's a problem we've seen in the past. When the Avs forwards are good and help out defensively, like that Boston game in Boston, that was the best I'd ever seen them play. It makes a huge difference, and I think that's something that you know this team – continues to struggle with we obviously point out the defense a lot but you know forwards play a pretty big role here nieto if you watch that second goal gets out muscled pretty hard along the boards and then it ends up losing that battle that leads to the goal so um i think a big issue is that lannis cog kind of carries a lot of the weight defensively for this team when it comes to forwards and he's just not playing very well so when he's struggling you know that's going to help uh, that's going to hurt the team tenfold in the defensive zone. Yeah, I, that's fair. I I would say they certainly have their guys that they rely on heavily. Landis Gog in the top six, guys like Nieto, Calvert, Belmar in the bottom six. If they're struggling in the defensive zone, like you said, Nieto lost the puck battle. Belmar and Johnson had a little mix-up on one of the goals. They don't really have that next wave of guys to fall back on as far as, you know, they don't trust Miko at all in the defensive zone. McKinnon is starting to get better at it, but it's still not something that he excels at. Yeah, and, and Kadri, I would say, has not been as good defensively as maybe you would have hoped. Right. I, I would agree with that. Uh, Burakovsky. I think he's kind not, of a mess defensively. <laughs> yeah, not the defensive zone is not where he's going to make his money. Um, even someone like Donskoy has not been great in that regard. Yeah, and that's something I brought up in the mailbag that you know we talked about it last night that a top six forward would be great, um, but we also mentioned that that fourth line or the third line, whatever you want to call it, tends to just kind of be the leftover dudes. Um, and Belmar is obviously a fourth line guy that you would prefer to have on your fourth line rather than anchoring your third line so i mean if the abs you know they have shane bowers coming i wouldn't be surprised if they looked at a third line center that could maybe you know a guy like pajo and in, in ottawa that down the stretch that could maybe take on more of a defensive role to help this team out because that is i think really lacking on this team yeah. right now and I, you're looking at guys like comfort and jost right and there are glimpses at times and there's hope that maybe they could figure out that defensive side of the game, but it just continues to be inconsistent as, as far as that's concerned. Confer scored two goals in this game, which is great, but you know, he was also on the ice for two against. Yeah. I think Confer tends to be, you know, there's obviously with the number and the trade of people look at him as like an O'Reilly light or a Drury light. I just don't think he's that good defensively. Um, and the same with Jost and, that's kind of where, especially if they're not going to be providing offense. I mean, conference numbers are pretty good this year, but um, the Avs don't necessarily need them providing offense consistently. They probably would, I think they would benefit more if they were a little bit better defensively. And that's kind of where I think it's disappointing that neither of them has developed all that much defensively. I think Comfort's yeah. decent on the penalty kill, but 
Um, at even strength, he has his issues. I had a lot of hope for Comfort in the defensive zone, and it just hasn't been there enough. So no, and I think yeah, that's that's why you hope that Shane Bowers can develop. Is that guy? Yeah, one hundred percent. All right. Well, we can go ahead and end the second period of this podcast here. So it's time to acknowledge Denver Rubber Company because rubber is what the Avs goalies need to start stopping. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing, and even custom hoses. And specifically for this time of year, they make snow plow rubber. They make it to any shape and size that you need and can even pre-slot it for whatever machine you want to put it on. They're super intuitive and unique, and they even set it up to where you can flip it over. When you one half wears down, you can just flip it to the other side and it's like a, a double length uh snow plow thing i i don't know my sick brain can't come up with the words <laughs> but denver rubber company has you covered for pretty much anything made out of rubber you can purchase products for yourself and of course buy bulk at a fantastic rate be sure to give them a call for any of your needs at 1-800-259- 0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr third period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by the green solution i'm still rudo he's still evan my voice is holding on for now and we need to talk about the jonas donskoy ryan lindgren nazem kadri situation near the end of the first period Donskoy coming up the near boards in the neutral zone gets blown up by Ryan Lindgren. We find out after the fact, maybe some people could tell live, there was no penalty called on the hit. On the replay, it was pretty obvious that Donskoy got rocked in the face by Lindgren's shoulder. And then Kadri saw it, immediately went to fight the guy and just honestly beat him half to death. I mean, he threw about 15 punches to the guy's face, cut him pretty good, and and the guy didn't even get a punch in, I don't think. Evan, what's your take on the situation? My take is, well, first of all, Kadri beat the ever-living crap out of the guy. Yeah, it was uh, brutal. Oh, that uh, the hit was high. That uh, I, I think it's pretty fair to say these guys, I looked, I mean, Donskoy and Lindgren are the same exact height. It sure seemed like Lindgren got off the ice a little bit to to jump into that hit. And, you know, it looks, sure looks like, to me at least, that the shoulder makes contact with Donskoy's head. And that's a no-no these days. So um, you look at the non-call there and then the way that they called Kadri for the instigator, that could have flipped the game around completely for all we know. Um, yeah, it was obviously killed off the penalty, but then they're down to 10 forwards for 17 minutes or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, that definitely should have been a penalty, probably should have been a five minute major on Lindgren. And instead it's the abs in the box for two minutes and without two of their, you know, top six forwards. So yeah, it flipped the game pretty, pretty dramatically. I mean, so I don't have a huge problem with Kadri getting the, the extra two for instigator. Um, 
it is what it is. He definitely instigated the fight. I don't think there's any denying that. The problem I have with this is the NHL implemented new rules this season where you can review major penalties. You can take a look at them and see, was this actually a major? But if it goes uncalled, if Donskoy gets blown in the face, should be a hit to the head, automatic major, and it does not get called on the ice, then they cannot review that play. And hits to the head seem like the exact type of thing that that type of a review was made to do. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Z throw hits where it's completely clean and he gets called for yeah, boarding, you know, right. whatever they call it. So, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the rules is. Is it where even if they call a two-minute penalty, they can review it to change it to five? Um, I know that they can review majors and double minors. I'm not 100% sure okay. on, on the other one. I'd have to check. Yeah, the fact that they call nothing is kind of what surprised me it didn't even have to necessarily be a five-minute major but you know i'm surprised with how much they're trying to protect the head you know they're they're making a focus on these hits that that play went completely uncalled um and obviously if you watch the replay it's pretty clear he gets hit in the head so um definitely changed the game around and you know when you're down to 10 forwards on the second half of a back-to-back you know your your guys are going to wear out pretty quick. Yeah. Um, on on both sides to this, Lindgren would not return to the game, presumably had a concussion and was cut in the face from many of Kadri's fists. Uh, Kadri was out, as you said, for 17 minutes, and then Donskoy would not return to the game, called out by the concussion spotters as well. So... Uh, they were The Rangers were down one defenseman. The Avs for... Essentially, an entire period, we're down two forwards and then one forward for the rest of the game as well. So you're on the second half of a back-to-back. You're down two forwards. And at that point, the game was tied, and the Avs would never have the lead again for the rest of the game. So they're fighting an uphill battle there. There are zero fresh legs on that team. And then you have Vlad Kamenev sitting up in the press box, didn't play on the front half. The game before that, he helped you win a game and pick up a point. Is that yeah. a missed opportunity? Yeah, it's something that the Avs really have not used there. They've used Barbario on the second half of back-to-backs, but with forwards, they tend to just stick with the guys that they're sticking with. Um, Kamenev has kind of been just the guy that we're not going to use you unless we absolutely have to use you. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think he can help the team and we've seen it, you know, at times this year, um, he's produced in pretty limited ice time, but on the second half of back to back, and obviously hindsight comes into play here with what happened, but it would have been nice to have some fresh legs out there. It, I mean, certainly you could see by the end of this game, the Avs just had nothing left. You know, they played a hard-fought, grindy game against the Islanders where you knew they were going to be worn down coming into this one. And I guess if you're not going to use your healthy scratch at that point, why even have one? Yeah, it, I guess it would have made sense. Uh, and I mean, the Rangers were down to 4D, but they hadn't played since Saturday, so they had a couple days off to just kind of rest. Um, the Yeah, I mean... It, it would have been made more sense if the Avs had played last night and they'd either 
you know, lost big or won big where they could just kind of spread out the ice time. Instead, it's a game where that was a physical game. It was kind of a, you know, they, they had to put everything into that game last night and they obviously didn't come out on top, but um, you expend a lot of energy and it's obviously not, you know, going from Long Island to, you know, New York City is not a huge, huge travel day, but it, I think it's a missed opportunity and as far as using your healthy scratches because uh, the Avs just simply have not used Kamenev unless absolutely they absolutely need to. And I I think there that's kind of a missed opportunity there. Yeah, uh, certainly. If for no other reason than to maybe showcase the guy a little bit, you know? Maybe it, it's, I think it's pretty clear in my opinion that there's just not room for Kamenev on this Avalanche roster especially with someone like Shane Bowers coming in the near future. So why not put him out there? Why not say, hey, someone can use this guy. Give us something for him. Yeah, and I mean, even then, like, the Avs are, what are they, like 3-6-1 in the last 10 games? It's not like they're lighting the world on fire right now. So uh, I don't think some of these forwards, like a Nieto or even a Jost, should be immune to maybe sitting one night in the press box and kind of just, you know, letting another guy get in there. Um, the Avs have not been afraid to do it on defense. I don't see why they should be afraid to do it up front. Nieto, no points in the last five games. Jost, kind of the same story there. No points in the last four games. Uh, you're not talking about like incredibly long streaks there, but it's a little bit of a lack of production coming from those two guys that you mentioned. Yeah, I think it's been... It's been a long time since Tyson Joe scored a goal, if I remember. I think he's got like one in his last 30-some games. It's it's not good. Let's see. His last goal came on November 30th. Yeah. So um, it's been and, a while. Yeah, so, yeah, it's been a while. I mean, Nieto scored December 23rd against Vegas, and before that he hadn't scored since November 27th. So um, these are not guys that, you know, you're going to necessarily lose a game because you sit him out one night. Um, Nieto at least has a role in the penalty kill, but the penalty kill kind of stinks right now. So I'm not sure if you can really use sure that to defend him. <laughs> does. And you're, and you're looking at Tyson, just his time on ice. He played 14 minutes against this game in the Rangers, but before that 10 and a half against the Islanders, nine and a half against New Jersey, 10 and a half against St. Louis, that's not a ton of time for someone like Kamenev to eat up. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about scratching a top six forward here. We're just talking about making a swap and getting a fresh body in there. And, you know, obviously we talked about hindsight played a role here, but, you know, it, it just, you never, you never know what a fresh body can do out there. Yeah. I, I do want to look at that usage a little bit on the defensive side. This is something we talked about before we went live a little bit. The Avs are using Ryan Graves a lot lately. Uh, there are games where he is the top man in TOI on the team. Kale McCarr and him played a ton in this game, and it was not exactly pretty either. What's up with that? Yeah, you. Uh, I, I think you mentioned I, did, I missed the Blues game, but Graves led them in even yeah. strength time on ice that game. He played 21-some minutes in even strength last night, and he led them in even strength time on ice tonight, and I did not think he was good at all. Um, I think the shot, like like I mentioned earlier, if Makar is not 
carrying that pairing, they're just not going to be very good. And that's kind of what's happening right now. I think the he's been, he was pinching a lot tonight and getting caught a decent amount. He got caught at the end of the first period when Panarin, they had that two-on-one there because he got caught pinching. So um, the way, and this was kind of my concern when EJ came back, was we, we've seen in the past when Zadorov has a role and he's used a lot, he can play well. And he's basically gone back to being having no role whatsoever. He played nine and a half minutes at even strength tonight, which is a full two-plus minutes less than the next guy. And he may have killed himself at the end of the game. I didn't see him after that hit against the wall. But um, it's kind of interesting just the way that they're using that defense. I would not I would not use Ryan Graves the most personally, but you know, I'm not running the defense right now. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of with you there as well. I, I do think it is a little bit awkward in the roles that they've given to not only Zadorov, but Ian Cole as well has his time and ice severely dropped. And I'm not saying these guys are perfect players. We talked about the mistakes Cole made in this game by a long shot, but the weird it feels like the time could be distributed a little bit more evenly. I don't know what Graves necessarily has done to earn that even strength ice time over a Cole or a Zadorov. Yeah, and I, I don't mean to bag on Ryan Graves. It's just I wouldn't use him nine more minutes than Z in a game on the second half of a back to back. Yeah, I just especially you know Z was a foot away from scoring a goal last night, so um, you just I, I would spread it out a little bit more than that. The only guy who I would say has pretty much earned that ice time on defense is Gerard and he played a decent amount tonight, but um, yeah, I just, I would, you know, we've, we, I think we've talked about in the past that Graves is, I think he's done. He's been a very nice surprise this year. It's not nice enough to where he should be your number one defenseman in terms of time on it. It's time to rein it back in, realize what his limitations are. Yes. He's an NHL defender. He's not a top pairing guy. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I guess, kind of the problem right now with Makar playing the way he is. The Avs just don't have a horse back there. So, you know, it's weird how much they depend on a rookie defenseman, but that's just how good he is. There you go. Makar is big important. Um, Tough loss for the Avs. I think pretty universally agreed to be a pretty bad one for them. There's still 10 games over 500. Final thoughts here, Evan. Uh, yeah, that was a tough road trip. I mean, even the Devils game was not exactly the prettiest win. So, um, two points out of six on this road trip. I would not call that a good road trip. And we talked about it yesterday. They've, they're home now until the All-Star break. This is where you need to start getting on a roll at home. You need to start making it a very tough building for teams to come into. That is the idea. The Avs do have a bit of a light schedule coming up. They get two days off before facing Pittsburgh at home this Friday, and then they get three days off before Dallas. So hopefully a few days off to rest, relax, get healthy, get some practices in to work in some of the kinks will help this team out. That's going to do it for us on this one. As always, thank you for listening. Hopefully the next time you hear from us, I sound a little bit better.
If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful and helpful helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.